Well, people, season two is upon us on the Rich Life Projects, and I just uh, appreciate everyone uh, viewing and and coming in on the uh, projects. I appreciate it. Starting off season two, we just uh, a little bit of a different thing where I'm going to be uh, interviewed and the questions are going to be asked to me, and it'll give you some sort of insight on my story and and why the Rich Life Projects has is evolved. I just want to put it out there that some of the content that I uh, that I bring up may either disturb or uh, may get some people off uh, off rails a bit. But if you are going through some of the things that my journey's been through, uh, by all means, the things like Beyond Blue, uh, Lifeline. Uh, going to people and talking about things that that uh, you're going through. There is always someone out there that will sit and listen to you. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, any feedback, throw it my way. But this is uh, the Rich Life Projects with myself, Rich Fogarty, going through my journey. It's the Rich Life meets the Hammer Time. Oh, oh yeah. we're there talking we go. About, we're getting the, getting the real conversations Mate, happening collaborations today. going on. <laughs> Collabs. <laughs> Mate, I just want to um, I talk to you, obviously, about moving to Melbourne. It's great to have you and Rob down here. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, we're such distance between us. But now, we're like almost neighbours. Well, it's been how long we've known each other for probably about 20 plus years. Yeah, 25, easy plus. Easy yeah. years, been in the martial arts and the combat sports. But, um, yeah, moving to Melbourne, I think it was just, I mean, we're in Newcastle, so I was quite happy to be surfing and just chilling out there and, um, and Rob really Love the idea of Melbourne, and then I thought, well, everywhere we go, we sort of do business together. So you know, and I love Melbourne City. I've always loved Melbourne City. Yeah. Traveling to to Melbourne for the fights, or just traveling Melbourne in general. Uh, but I love Melbourne, and once Rob sort of said, "Oh, that's it, we're off," and I was like, <laughs> "Okay, we're off." By the looks of it, we're gonna, off. I was going to ask you about that because obviously, you know, we'd spoken in the lead up to you guys coming down here and stuff. And I know Rob, he's loving the restaurant life and, the, you know, the, oh, the, the nightlife. You know, him and the and, old coffees with the fingers. <laughs> yeah, him and the missus are uh, embracing Melbourne fully. Yeah. You know, and you're here too, obviously. You guys come as a package deal. And I, I really respect and admire that, to be honest with you. I've got no siblings, but, you know, if I did have one, I'd, I'd wish it would be someone, you know, had a relationship like you two guys because you just – well, you know, you're a team and, you and you you know, you, you, you've done so much, as we, as we spoke about, you've done so much together. So when you move to Melbourne – uh, Rob was, yeah, you know, he fully embraced it. But you're here and you're doing what you do. But you still, you still sort of long for a little bit of surf and Newcastle life and all of that. Yeah, I love Newcastle. Rob doesn't love Newcastle as much, but um, I, I love Newcastle one because my daughter's up there. Yeah, and that's probably the number one priority for me. But uh, surfing wise, I've got a lot of surfing friends. I've got a lot of just general friends that I've made over a over a ten year period and yeah. I just I just enjoy the these days as as we spoken, you know, a little while ago. The older I get, the the less I want to sort of be around humans, so to speak. But it's you know, it's just I like to have my own time. I like the chilled sort yeah. of environment. Yeah. Um and but Melbourne City, I love the the hustle bustle of Melbourne, and there's always sports going on. There's a lot of sports that now I've got involved with yep. that I never even paid attention to before. Yeah. AFL for one, I'm a mad AFL dude now, so yeah. uh, that's been a good change. Obviously, for the for the listeners, a little bit about your your formative years of growing up. You know, where were you born, and and uh, a little bit about your backstory, mate. That not yeah. a lot of people would know about. Uh, the backstory, childhood wise, I mean. Uh, 
born in Sydney, Camperdown. The old man was a copper back then for yep. in Newtown. Uh, mum, obviously, uh, mum and dad lived in Sydney for a while. And then we moved, obviously, because dad had to move for the police. The really youngest memories I could probably think of is Broken Hill. We ended up Broken Hill because the old man was a copper out there. Yeah. And I just used to, the only thing I remember really of Broken Hill was uh, an old cartoon that used to play Wacky Races. Oh, yeah. That's some childhood <laughs> memories. Wacky Races. Yeah. Well, I used to be on the lounge all the time yeah. just watching the Wacky Races. That's really the only thing I can remember of Broken Hill. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the old man got a transfer to Musselbrook. And then we all moved to Musclebrook and we lived uh, in a house behind the um, army barracks. Okay. And then um, the old man was a copper there. So that's where we sort of – that Rob was born in Musclebrook. So yep. uh, that's when the little the little white fella come along. So you're the, you're the older I'm of the I'm the two. oldest, yeah. Jeez, I'm, I wouldn't think that. I well, you know. Rob, he's, got, he's got a weathered look about him. He, well, I say that. I say that. I say <laughs> when people go, oh, you guys actually brothers. I said, yeah, so I got the looks. He got the weight. But uh, that's my little joke. Obviously, he, he would say, oh, that's personal, bro. That's personal. But, uh, but yeah, life life in Musselbrook, it was, it was quite uh, fun times, as in what I can remember, because we used to get up the mischief, tra- you know, going through the army barracks, having a bit of a look. and Yeah. Um, you know, mum, I remember mum making Rob go down to the service station back in the day yep. with a, with a note yep. saying, I give my son Robert permission to buy a packet of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and, the, and that's when he took up smoking, <laughs> just took a couple of darts out on the way home, just lit him up. He goes, no, it's my commission, mum, getting on him. <laughs> oh man, but when you think about that now in these days, if yeah. you wrote a note saying my son, yeah. who's, who, who knows how old, five or six, <laughs> Get in the yeah. server yeah. and buy some cigarettes. I give him permission. <laughs> give him permission. <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, I mean, there's, you know, for, I suppose for the younger listeners, you know, you look at life now and you look at even just that little bit that you've spoken about. You know, everyone's so protective of kids and everything these days. Yeah. And like, you know, we just get, reason, you'd get up, you'd get too. on your bike, and you just ride. You know, and and uh, you know, you'd be aware of of your surroundings and stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was different. It was totally different times of growing up and being outdoors. And you know what? You just spoke about wacky races. I mean, that's that's really about as engaged as you got with electronics back then. There was that's no right. phones. There's no PlayStations. You want to play, go outside and play, you know, playing in, you know, or you get your matchbox cars and play on the carpet with them as a kid. 100%. So, you know, you had to make your own, your own fun. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think, you know, you guys have, have been very entrepreneurial. You know, through you know, through your whole lives, really. Well, we're fa- we're faked it till we made it. So <laughs> that's how, that's how we put it. We always say, "Well, you got to fake it to make it." Well, so. you know, you've you've, you've but we've put the hours and time in. I'll give you that. Dabbled in a lot of stuff, and and I think I think you know, going back, I suppose, the generational, you know, a few generations back, you, you you taught creative thinking because you had to be creative in your own. To, to make your own fun and to make your own money, you know, yep. uh, you know, as a kid, 100%. I got out and with you know the, the push pull lawnmower and yeah. and you know, knocked on doors and said, hey, I'll, I'll mow your grass and then I and I discovered upselling. I'm like, I'll mow your grass <laughs> and I'll wash <laughs> your car, wash your car. For a couple of bucks Jeez, that's extra, an extra two dollars. <laughs> yeah, I, can, so, I can afford that cigarette. Yeah. Then. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think you know, growing up in those and you know, like those areas, of, you you guys would have had the same experiences, yeah, no yeah, doubt. Yeah. A lot of a lot of different times and and Rob and I because. You know, Dad was a copper, but then, you know, the times when we moved to to Newcastle, the old man had finished up the police station or yeah. police being a copper. And then right and then we sort of moved to Newcastle and, and that's where we got introduced to hotel life. And hotel life, 
it was good. It was really fun in one way yep. and really uh, sort of down for me in, in other ways. But uh, it was in Newcastle of all places uh, where we've just moved from um, just recently. But we owned the hotel. Back then it was a, a gay and lesbian hotel. Yeah. So there was gay, lesbians, bikies, man. man. Oh, Islington <laughs> around the Criterion days was yeah. like wild days because you, you're looking at um, 1977, yep. 77-ish, 78, 79. Yeah. Um, and I can only remember, again, the hotel life because Rob and I just really ran our own race, like mum yeah. and dad putting in so many hours yeah. in the bars, day, night, you know, never had really breaks or holidays. Well, that's the thing when you – and I've, I know a few people whose parents have had have pubs, yeah. you know, that's – that's and, and you live on site, your, your, your lifestyle and your work – just merges into one. Um, you know, a lot of people think it's an idyllic life, but there's no no downtime. You're forever in your workplace. Yeah, true. And on top of that, you see the good and bad of humanity. You know, you see people and uh, haven't worked in pubs like yourself for, for many years. Someone will walk in sober, loveliest bloke, a yep. couple of beers in, they want to fight everyone and all the demons come out, that frontal lobe has oh, been engaged no, and they're ready for war. Some, so, of, some <laughs> of those experiences that we that we experience in like the front bar and, and the night the night sort of band club yeah. at the back, the, the, the good part about sort of the hotel, because I remember going to school there in Islington and I, you know, mum and dad come and watch me race one day and, and that was the biggest thing for me because one, we're out of the hotel. When you say race, what were you doing? Just, uh, just, just kids racing at school. Right, running and races, I had, yeah, you right. know, mum and dad, first time they've ever sort of come and watched me do something. And yeah. I was like, wow, mum and dad are out of the pub. Yep. And I, man, I went hard. I won, <laughs> I won the running competition because it was an obstacle course. Yeah, yeah. And that was probably, if I had a childhood memory of Islington that day, I was proud as punch that day. I won that. That running race, just like you're trying to get away from, yeah, from Rob, yeah. just and, trying to get away from him, used to those, those and, obstacles. And mum, <laughs> mum and dad come that day, and I was like, super. I was like, man, I'm super yeah, proud. I, I won. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then the hotel life. You know, there's so many things in the front bar, and then I remember there was this old lady who used to sit in the corner, and Mum used to go, "Oh, you know, go and sit with this person, whatever." And and to me, being young, I thought she was a witch. Like I just, <laughs> I had that much fear. Yeah. And I was just like, I always cry and yell, "I don't want to be sitting with her." <laughs> but then you start to see what happens, sort of yeah. in the front bars and everything else. And then, but once Mum and Dad were in the hotels working their ass off day and night. Me and Rob really, the best part about the hotel life, me and Rob just really run our own life. Yeah. You know, we had no supervision, which was good for us. Yeah. You know, at night we'd be tucked into bed and then we'd open the window when mum and dad goes back downstairs, we'd climb out the window, run along the roof, throw oranges at cars. <laughs> you hear all this screeching going, you know, and we're like, oh, race back in the bed. Little punks. Lay in the bed. Little punks. Mum would come up and look in the, look in the room where we'd be like this, sound asleep. And just little things like uncle would come and visit and then he, you know, he'd be getting to hide and seek and you go, where is he? And the hotels have got the big walls. Yeah, yeah. And next minute you're like, where is he? You know, where's our uncle? Next minute he's like Spider-Man. He's up on the walls. (laughs) And then you have the cleaners, you know, we'd go around the different parts of the the hotel and then, um, then, you know, the sleeping old alcoholic cleaner and then me and Rob would just sit there in the morning throwing (laughs) things at him. and Trying to wake him up. Yeah, just those sort of things. But. 
everything in the hotel life and, and so probably- So was the hotel, was it just a pub or did it have accommodation as well or was it a mixture? Through? No, I think, I think it was only, I, I think it did have some accommodation. I can't remember that part. Yes, it did actually down the other end because there was a central lounge room. Um, so they had rooms, but they're very only like just pub-like rooms. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Rob and I had that whole life of just hanging around each other, and yeah. and um, even at that stage, like we didn't see much mum and dad because I was working. But um, you know, Rob because he was very young, and he'd always be holding me shirt. Yeah, and like yeah. It, Rob probably didn't talk for like. I reckon nearly a year or two. Like, he still doesn't two, talk a lot now. No, really. no, he doesn't. <laughs> it's, he it's observes a lot now. Yeah. But that's that's the where the closeness was back yeah. then. He would be hanging on to my shirt. I'd be the one out the front doing all the talking for both yeah, of us. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then you know the hotel life sort of gathered into that sort of lifestyle. It's a, it's a hard life, you know. Um, a lot of people think it's a, it's a dream, but uh, it, as I said, it can be challenging. And and yeah, your time is not your own. And then there's Kids, you know, you guys obviously missed out a, a bit of time. Your parents, but your parents, um, you're always trying to do your best for your kids, oh, and I'm 100%. sure that would have been in their mind to go, you know, we'll work hard, we'll get these pubs going, and yep. we'll, we'll have a good. Yeah, and, you know, and good, that's what they always said. The you, know, kids, you know, we want to try and start businesses and mm. and get these successful pubs for you guys to take over in yep. years to come, and yep. and that that was the that was the whole plan back then, and and so forth, and then um, so you were, you, and as you got older, that. Continued working or moving and being in pubs and working in pubs, and then you got involved in working in the pubs, DJing and stuff. Oh, right mate, here. Yeah, that, that's a whole <laughs> whole different story. Of that, but it was just it was more the the pubs in regards to that that lifestyle was was good in that way. Um, but obviously, the stuff that I personally dealt with um, with a, a guy who was supposedly our babysitter, yeah, and he was the clean, like he was just the all around dude who mum and dad. Uh, befriend back then, yeah, and then um, you know, then I, I just went through that that stages of um, where there were stages where I knew things were starting to happen, yeah, which I couldn't understand at that time because I was obviously I was only young, yeah, and once they started st- to start, I, I was getting that stage, and what killed me the most is when I knew that that things was going to happen, I would really hate on Rob like because I, I knew what I was just about to go through yeah. and the fear I was fearing in myself and I'd always tell Rob, get out of the room, go back, I hate you because yeah. I knew Rob would cry and I knew he'd go out of the room yeah. and I knew this this guy who was our so-called friend babysitter, whatever you like to call him, uh, would start his little, would start his little, you know, things that happen over time and yeah. – and it was very confusing back then too because when you're young, you think, oh, fuck, you know, is this supposed to be happening? Yeah. And you don't, know, you don't know who to turn to because you think, oh, fuck, this, you know, he's someone who I know. Yeah. And then he started to do certain things and then I'm – and I really – at that stage, I was I really confused probably more about me as I grew up, more about me sexuality. Yeah, because I'm thinking, fuck! If that happened from him, is it guys that I actually am attracted to? Because, because this yeah. has happened to me, yeah, or is it, imagine, or is yeah. it women that I like? Yeah. Uh, so I growing up through that part, and and then dealing with that, and those those circumstances. What ages? What ages around? <sighs> Man, like oh, well, I was born in '73, so these are like probably '78, '79. Um, 
when I was dealing with it. So about five, six years six, old. I mate. think it's six, young, six, young six or be, so. Yeah. And I was just – and because I didn't really know at that stage what it, what it was, I was just yeah. like – I can't I can't even really – because I've blacked it out that much, I can't even really go back to what I was even feeling at that stage. I just knew my mindset, how I had to go, fuck, this isn't normal or yeah. is this normal? Yeah. That was the question I was always asking myself, even going past that point of – do I like men or do I like women? What's that's a that's a big thing for such a young kid to have to process, and then like that that sort of behaviour with with that person that did that extend for years? Was it a short term thing? Like you know, it, that's obviously something that is that's a defining moment in your life, yeah. especially as you get older and you look back on stuff and you're like, well, how do I process this? Yeah, uh, knowing you as much as I've known you, you you're, you're not a you're not a victim. No, no, so no, and just, that's, you know, that's so. probably growing up because there was a point where I probably felt like a victim or I didn't. Yeah. I was, I was to saying, be honest, a, you don't have that victim mentality. Yeah, Let I was me probably be clear more, on that. Like you, obviously going through something like that, of course you are, but it's not something that you've you've, you've used as a crutch to, to, no, to, no. to go down and be, you know, self-pitying or, or, or then seek any sort of, yeah. you know, any sort of uh, anything from anyone. You mm. deal, you've dealt with it yourself, which – you know, is is something that knowing how you are now is is a big yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, it's and, a huge thing. And people sort of deal with things uh, in different ways. And yeah. I felt getting through that because I I, sp- I probably spent so much of the time when it was happening to me that I was that fucking confused. I didn't really know yeah. what which way to go or what to say or what to do. How I to didn't process it. I, yeah, and that's the yeah. word. Probably processing was just like wow. All I could just really think of is am I attracted to men or women as I, as I was sort of looking at different things older. as I grew. Yeah, as you get older. And once yeah. once we left that hotel scene and I sort of, and I can you know, there's certain things. Once we left that hotel, we actually moved hotels from uh, Islington and Newcastle and went to Mathara, which was like on the uh, Victorian border in between Echuca and Deliloquin. So then that was like a whole new life. I can open up and I was like, wow, you know, like now. So you I've didn't got have to deal with that with that that person or that, that no, situation. Not at that, that, not at that time because yeah. I was like, wow, I'm fucking free of yeah. whatever's whatever that was feeling. And yeah. sometimes it was like a fucking vomiting stage. I was like, fuck, this is yeah. and mum and dad, obviously, them working as hard as they can and and I, you know, at that fucking age, you don't know how to tell yeah. what was going on because you don't even know what was going on. Yeah. Were your parents ever made aware of what had happened to you at those in those early no. years? So no. you've never you've never divulged that they don't know. They they know now. Yeah. Like they knew after when we were all in Sunshine Coast, and then there was one time just out of the blue, mum's mum mentioned um, the person's name, and at that point, I was just like, you know, fuck that piece of shit, you know. Yeah. And then they're like. Why? What's wrong with Sansa? And then I got into detail. I had the sort of the courage, I suppose, and I really needed to say something, I suppose you could say. And yeah. and I told him sort of in some sort of way that what what he what he had done, and um and obviously it was more getting that off my chest, yeah, rather than what was their reaction to the to the oh they were they were fucking shot. devastated, yeah. you know, dad yeah. dad was devastated, mum was yeah. devastated yeah. because at the end of the day they were they were doing their best to try and make business yeah. and a successful life for me and Rob. Yeah. And like anyone who's dealt with uh, abuse, it's just, you know, when you find out sometimes it's too late, but 
It's just a thing you got to fucking deal with. Yeah. And that's at that point, I'd been dealing with it for so long. Yeah. Because you deal with it on your own, no. I do. Uh, I do. Yeah. I, I had gone to a couple of um, like shrinks just to. Yeah. Really sit and talk and I think try. Counselor is correct terminology. Shrinks, so. counselor. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so I went to voluntary. Went to a yeah. couple of those because yeah. I just how I was thinking in my yeah. head. I was like, "Fuck, I just need." And a lot of people would say, oh, "I went to counselor and yeah. they helped." And I was like, "Well, I got to go and just you know." I'll, I go. just rocked up to really any counselor at that point. I didn't really know what even fucking was going on when I did go there. But it was a couple of times and really sort of dug into really a few things that really you know, hit home for me and, and I've sort of over the years, uh, you know, living in that, living in that hotel, I thought everything was good and then fucking old bud. And then it wasn't. Old bud turns up again to the next hotel. Oh, shit. So I was like, fuck, what's yeah. going on here? Because obviously he was good friends of mum and dad. Yeah, so he sort of found his spot in your family. And yeah, yeah. And just, sort of infiltrated himself yeah, to so, be in, in somewhat of a normal situation that your, your folks would have known, uh, but for you it would have been horrific. You yeah, know, it uh, was. I was just I was that fucking more confused because I'm thinking, why is this bloke? Fuck, what's, yeah, he, what's he doing back yeah, again? And yeah. luck, luckily the memories of that hotel, there wasn't anything happening there because I think it was only a short time or something happened because we got sent away to our grandmother's mum and dad finally took a holiday and then he took over the hotel for me mum and dad. Yeah. And then I'm not quite sure how many weeks it was or a month or something. I'm not quite sure. But when we got back, uh, he'd run the fucking hotel into the ground for bankruptcy. Yeah. So then mum and dad was like, fuck, what do we do? Where, you know, they lost, they lost a great deal of money. Uh, and obviously pride and everything else that goes with it. But then we all shipped and went to Tamworth. Yeah. And that's where we live with my mother's mother. And um, that was, again, a new fucking start, a new, new town. Well, you guys have been, you know, I suppose uh, in the time I've known you, 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 you move around and you travel and you, it's, it's very fluid for you guys to just, and I think it's brave that you can just go and relocate and start. It's a big thing, you know, it, it especially is. when you as you get older, it gets harder to do as well. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, man, you, this, you got some balls just doing that, you know. So, yeah. but I can see now looking at, at that was your normality. That, that, was, that your was your norm. Normality. So it's like, yeah, that's what you we, do. We you never know? we never had friends for long yeah. because we're in a we're in probably hotels for three years at a time. Yeah. Then we're off to another town. Yeah. But then when we you know we finally stopped and it was uh, Tamworth. Yeah. And that's part of our growing up was Tamworth. Uh, when we were younger, we got there in, I think, 83. And then that was like, okay, well, we're here from a few years now. So mm. then it was more dealing with that, going through my head and then relocating, not knowing what the real reason why we moved or fucking we're going to yeah. make new friends again. And, yeah, you just, um, you just did it. And then once I started school, obviously red hair and freckles, I'm not the fucking most popular <laughs> dude in school. <laughs> yeah. So then can, I then I relate. then the, then the <laughs> then the bullying started like the the flogging started yeah. uh, in primary. I did meet a a person who could fight in primary. Yeah. Uh, and then I sort of hung around him for a little bit. And then he left, and then I was just and back in those days because I had so much fear of violence, probably because I was watching it in the pubs or yeah. Just I just hated fighting. I just it really ang- give me anxiety. anxiety yeah. So even when guys in the playground would go, you you know, red-headed, freckly, whatever, yeah. be out the front. I'm, we'll fight out the front after yeah. school and me be me. Like, yeah, make sure you're out the front. I'm going to be out there. <laughs> no one mum's out the back picking me up. 
Like I went out the back, I jumped in the car and mum drove around the front and I could just see this massive crowd building yeah. and I'm thinking, fuck, my heart was pumping because I'm thinking, that was supposed to me be me. Yeah, you were going to, supposed to be a part get of Get a flog and so I got out of it that day yeah. and I was like, fuck, tomorrow's a new day. Now yeah. I've got to try and get through that and yeah. – that was more, and high school never changed. Once I got to high school, it was still the same. I'd yeah, get the old, when I did have hair, hair head flushed <laughs> down the toilet. Jesus, yeah. And then, uh, you know, kicked as I was coming out of the to- out of the bathrooms or whatever. So you, know, you weren't, you, you were obviously, you know, you weren't a big, you weren't a big kid as in nah, size-wise, so. I was probably, back then I was probably about 65 to 69 kilos. Like yeah, I, was, big, I was thin. Yeah. But I was, I was to show, you know, I'm not backing down, even though I was scared as shit for fighting yeah. and getting bullied. I, I wouldn't, I'm not saying I was a saint. I probably was a cheeky bastard as well. Yeah. But then when obviously the bullying started even worse and I was like, fuck, I've got to get to a stage where I've got to, I've got to do something. I've got yeah. to do something. And I come across a friend who was doing uh, Kyokushin karate. Yeah. And that was in Tamworth. And I thought, he said, come along and train. So I was like, fuck, what's Kyokushin karate? Never heard of it before. Yeah. So I went around. I went along to that gym um, in town. Where there's only rugby league or fighting. That was really the only things in that little country yep. town that yep. you that you done. Yep. If you've done it well, you're like this little town celebrity because <laughs> yeah. there's no one else yeah. around. The bigger load of John Holford as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's 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 who originally got me into the yeah. Kyuk Shin because um, he sort of come along and then Mark Tyson back then yep. he was the one who yep. was coaching Kyuk Shin and we're doing. Boxing, kickboxing, and yeah. all sorts of stuff, and then um, and that's really uh, you know our I suppose relationship with each other comes from that. Kyokushin is a you know in the martial arts, it's a universal sort yeah. of brotherhood, you it, know, it, 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 uh, and, and it finds us here today from those many years ago of 100%. training together and stuff. Yep. So you know, I want to I want to just drill down a little bit more because you've 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 suffered a hard you know a hard childhood in in nothing was in, it was in, a, it was a, it was a tough ways. gig it was a tough gig you know going through what you've spoken about and you know you you had to survive that so if, if someone's listening to this now and they you know they're having a hard time and they're in their younger years what's your advice to them to to help them get through and come through the other side of the challenges they may be facing now it is to seek someone you can actually talk to mm. uh, and counselors they're professional but They've dealt with a lot of the lot of kids and a lot of teenagers who have gone through probably uh, sexual abuse yep. or, or abuse in general. So, and and really talking about it, like talking about it's an ongoing thing for me. Like uh, ever yeah. since I can remember, talking about things helps me get over it. Yes, you know. Yeah. I think I, I'm I'm the same with uh, with that too. As I said yeah. in my head each day, even though yeah. people see me at the age of 49 now. Yeah. But it's torture. Sometimes it's torture in my head each day, and and I'm not saying it's it goes for the whole twenty four hours. But there might be half an hour a day where it's torture because I'll think of something which will upset me. Yeah, it takes you back. Yeah. And then I'll just I'll, whether I get a bit of anxiety, I'll think fuck. Yeah. But I've learnt over the time of talking to people who I can trust about it. Yeah, and knowing the mechanisms to use. And for me, as soon as that feeling starts, I've got to stop and I've got to go outside and get some fresh air because I know it's like an anxiety coming on. Yeah. So 
going yeah. outside, walking in fresh air, yeah. and getting to look around at different things. Yeah, just like you take your mind off it, keep. Get, I get think, I think, yeah, I think, and this is probably a conversation for us for another time, but I can certainly relate to that. And I think, you know, myself also, you know, in, in past years have, have had, you know, uh, some challenges and talking to counsellors, it's a, it's a, it's funny because whether it's a, a counsellor dealing with young things or a relationship counsellor or whatever it would be, the one common theme I find with them is they just ask you a question to get you talking. That's right. They don't, they don't, you know, I've, I've had counselling sessions where I've walked out and I've gone, give me no advice at all. I just ended up speaking for fucking an that's hour. Right, that's right. So, you know, but I think that there lies in what you've just said, just talking to someone, getting it out, maybe having someone with a bit of empathy and, yeah. and better still someone that can probably give you a strategy, just like the strategy that you've said now, yeah. you know, get out. You know, change your environment. Yeah. You know, I think that's the one thing. If you if you have anxiety, and I've I've suffered from that myself in mm. the past, and I'd be I'd be asleep. So it wasn't a conscious yeah. anxiety; it was yeah. a subconscious one. I'd be asleep. I'd wake up having a panic attack, and I'd have to just get up in my jocks and basically head straight out into my backyard, just stand there in the fresh air, yeah. and just feel that I'm able to yeah. breathe and and get my breathing under control yeah. and stuff. So it can be very debilitating, and you got to find, you know. You've got to find your strategy, I think, yeah. that will enable you then to deal with it and get you through. Yeah. And and uh, I, I, I suppose if I can indulge for one moment, something that was said to me was when you have an, uh, a panic attack or you get anxiety, don't fight it. Embrace mm. it. You know, right. you're gonna, you know the thing is you think you're going to die, you think you're going to have a heart attack, you can't breathe. Oh, but you, in reality, that's not the case. No. It's it's a psychosomatic thing that, that stresses your body. Yep. So when you embrace it and you, and you sort of challenge yep. – and you, and you feel, okay, oh, it's my old friend. He's coming back 100%. for another crack. That, that's how you got to look at let's it. Let's do it, you know, and yep. you go out and you go, okay, I'm going to control my breathing and just yep. we're going to get through this. It may take me a minute or yep. five, yep. but I'll get through it and I can see the other side. Yep. And once you realise that you, you can face it and get through it, it's a very very powerful yep. and empowering thing. Yeah, and it's so, only just the breathing for me. Like if, I'm, if I go outside and it's fresh air breathing, exactly. it's really deep breaths for me. That's how, I, yeah. that's how I know when it's coming on, then I go, that's my ma- maintenance thing. That's what I've got to go and do is breathe because I've, you know, when it all started really coming about is, you know, I'd be on the phone to mum crying going, yeah. mum, what the fuck is, what it's am I going through? Day. What's going through? And mum herself went through anxiety. Yeah. She goes, Darling, it's only anxiety. What you got to do is just take big breaths and yeah. try and think of some nice things, you know, because obviously, yeah. you know, she went through it as well. But I, was, I just found my mechanism was as soon as I started feeling that, as you yeah. say, that warm feeling, that dark cloud that's just over you, and it's, you go, it sort of st- like just compresses yeah, your body, yeah, man. Fuck, I feel like, like you can't yeah, breathe, and I'll you're take, like, I've got to go outside, yeah. and I've got to take big breaths, and I've got to walk. Yeah. And by the time I finished the walk, it could have been. 500 metres could be a kilometre, but as soon as I finish that walk and I've breathed and I've sort yeah. of tired myself out Fantastic. a little bit, yeah, yeah. that's that's what helped me then go, right, fuck, now I can move and on this a bit. Is, you know, it's, it, when you don't know what anxiety is or why it's happening to you, that's the craziest oh. thing. I, I had it and I, I'm a big one in, in trying to understand any situation and that was a situation I couldn't control and didn't understand. So I looked at it and I'll, I'll throw a name at you. You're probably too young. You remember an actor or a guy called Norman Gungston. Yeah, he used yeah. To Norman, Norman Gungston slash Garrick, Gary McDonald was his name. People call me yeah. when I wear me bucket at. They well, go, I'll look, you, you look like I'll tell you a little known fact or... about him. You know why he disappeared off TV and theatre? No. Because of anxiety. Oh, okay, yeah, he, yeah. He, Out of nowhere, he started to get anxiety every time he had to perform. Yep. 
and he couldn't deal with it. Yep. And that was basically from from what I've read back in the day. Yeah. That that was really he, yep. such a debilitating thing that it had ended. One of the the Aussie icon, you know, comedians right, back right. in the day. He was iconic, man. When I was 100%. a kid. So and it just his life changed. Yep. You know, and if. For, for I suppose for more recent, Mother and Son was a TV show yeah, we yeah. did on the ABC. And he was just such a legend back then. And I'm like, man, this guy, I remember my parents watching him on TV. It was like he was everywhere. And it's like, and that, and it affected him. And then, uh, you know, he was sort of a, he, he paved the way to a lot of people realizing what anxiety and panic attacks are all about. That's right, that's right. And, and that was really for me then. It was like, okay, right. Well, yep. you know, he didn't die because it feels like no. you can't breathe. It feels yeah, like you're having a heart attack. It feels like your lungs are being compressed, yeah. which is, I think that's our similarity. Yep. Your lungs get compressed. So you're like, I've got to get out in the yeah, air and a, fill my lungs. It's a, cra- it's a yeah, crazy, it's, crazy it's feeling a crazy thing. When, when it comes about. And, yeah. and I feel for the people who, you know, they can't deal with it or, yeah. or, or don't know where to turn with it. Yeah. And I was lucky because I had obviously mum and dad who were very loving and my brother who who uh, who I love and adore all the time as well. But it was just some some of those little journeys you got to go on your, on your own yeah. and you got to know where to turn because if you don't know that part, you could have the best family life at home but it's a fucking to- uh, it's a torture chamber to try and then get in the maze yeah, in that it was. Too. So that's that's when I got introduced to martial arts at that stage. Yeah. That's when I thought. But at, in saying that, when I started martial arts, it was more to one stop the bullying, stop the bullying. Yeah. But then yeah. over the years of um, participating in, and being a fighter, and then changing the coaching. I always look back and I thought to myself, and I've done so many sort of like talks with youth and all that. I really feel that it wasn't actually, you know, stop the bullying or putting another face on another opponent so I could legally hurt that person to get yep. my aggression out. Yep. I think it was more to show people my masculinity that I thought a man had to be. Yes. I'm a fighter. People are going to look at me oh, at a man. Yeah, tough. Yeah, you're tough, dude. Yeah. Because that's happened to me with another man yeah. as, as a kid and I've had to go through some things that that dude – Put me through. Yeah. Fuck, this is a, this is like a hiding wall that I can hide behind and show that Truth. Rich Fogg, he's a fucker, he's tough, he's he's a fighter. But deep down, one, I hated fighting. I only done it so I could actually learn self-defense and learn how to protect myself from bullying. From what you'd been But through. on the other side was to go, I've got to show people my masculinity yeah. that I felt that I lost as a kid and now I, because of my street smarts and my aggression, my skill – I started winning fights, yeah, and then it became an addiction. Oh, I'm winning. Yeah. I want to keep going now. Yeah. So then it's all like a double edged sword. You yeah. start to win all the time, and then you it's go like out a, partying, and it's man, all it's a drug, anxiety. Man. Start. A, oh, <laughs> but it's, it's like know, this whole wheel that yeah. turns. And you've done it all though. Like for the for the people listening, Kyokushin karate is known as the strongest karate, and we've both done it. You're talking full contact, bare knuckle. You know. All out. The only thing you can't do is punch to the face because obviously that's just a bit barbaric. But no. you can knee to the head, you can kick to the head. Yep. You know, uh, you that can pr- do. That's probably what appealed to me. It's such a. Most. You have to. If if you if you and I I think it, again we share this commonality in that I thought I was weak and that will just 
test you. And then when you when you feel like a guy just punched me flat out, I'm still here. He's kicked me as hard as I can. I'm still here. Man, I can walk through walls. Yep. And then you get this confidence that just elevates you to the next level. Yep. And it's just quite addictive, which, well, as that- you said, and then obviously you had a good, you know, you, you had a good competitive career as well in the Kyokushin and the kickboxing and the Muay Thai. Yep. So, you know, that's something that I think a lot of fighters, it's it's something that's really hard to replace as you get older. Yeah. You're like, man, you got this this euphoric feeling of yep. fighting and yep. winning. People will in, until you've done the walk out to the ring that's with, right, with everyone right. cheering like the Roman Colosseum days. Oh, man, it's, man, it's something that very few well, very few people will experience in reality. Yeah. Um, and you know that's why there's all the corporate fighter things yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, these days because yeah. people want to have that 100%. feeling. But you and know, you can be in a crowd of twenty thousand. Yeah. Or a crowd of three hundred, and still have this exactly same, the same, same exactly man. the yeah. same yeah. Uh, thing. The same as when I say to people, uh, you know, how did you deal with your abuse or whatever? I say my anxiety and, and my torture chamber that happens in my head. It doesn't matter whether I've gone through that abuse or you've grown up in your childhood wetting the bed. Yeah, it will all come to the same point. Of it's, all anxi- it's all childhood trauma. It's, yep. it's the trauma that yep. sort of just little things trigger it. Yeah. And and bring it up, and that's that's the thing that really. Once I started fighting, and I I loved it. It was more. I mean, I'm not quite sure how to describe it uh, for the listeners, but the more the more that I was getting hurt from Kyokushin Karate, the the bruising, the ribs, the the knuckles on the chest, the leg kicks, corking my legs. It was like I don't know. It was I, I don't know what the word is like a sensation that I was getting addicted to because of the pain was taking away a lot of my other shit. Yeah. Like yeah. the thoughts, yeah. I, I could just focus on, fuck, my leg's stinging yeah. from leg kicks. It's a very real. But I, I feel strong, you know, that's yeah. what well, – that's, that was – I mean, I, that's I, what I, I've, had, I've had the same – like I went through the same thing where I'd get bruised and battered and I, I look back and, and I'm a big analyzer with things, you know, yeah. as well, and I'm like, you know and, – and now coaching kids, you know, and over the years I've done it for 20 – 25 plus years, you know, sometimes I get kids come in and I, I look at their arms and they've got the cuts, you know, yeah, so yeah, they, 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 know, cut, know, they cut themselves. And, and, and the self-harming thing, I look back at, and maybe you you will you will uh, relate to this, to me, I was numb to feeling anything. Yeah. And when I had the feeling of going to training and getting, you know, I was getting pummeled, it made me feel alive because yeah. I was actually for the first time in my life feeling something. That's right, that's right. You know, and so you go like there and you're like, man, look at this black belt. He's going to punch the crap out of me, but come on, bring yeah, it on. Yeah, and then, you you know, you get through the challenge of, of facing your fears and someone that is obviously yeah. a lot better than you. Yeah. And you're like, well, I survived that and I'm a bit hurt, but geez, I fucking feel great, you know. Yeah. You, you, maybe I look like shit and I probably did because I was a <laughs> terrible student, but, you know, I think that's in essence what you're saying. Yeah, that's – As long as you – whether it's – pain or a good feeling or a bad feeling yeah. when you've been traumatized yeah. you just want to feel yeah, something I think, I you think know that's, i think that's what it was i just i was instead in, st- instead of feeling numb a lot of a lot of the time something yeah, yeah. And, and even as i say like even uh, a lot of relationships with women yeah. have been over the years has been really numb yeah like uh, there's been just soulless for me yeah and for whatever reason it is but it's it's just that when you feel something and the, the fighting was the part of where I'm going, man, I'm getting towel up or that's hurting me, but I'm feeling, I love that feeling. Yeah, it was like more of a, I don't know whether you could call it a fetish because you're just, <laughs> you're getting, you're getting kicked and punched and you're actually loving the feeling of it. Yeah. So that's why I continued in fighting uh, for so long. Mind you, as a coach, you got to have that 
you got to, you know, if you get in the ring and you're fearful of getting hit, yeah. don't get in the ring. No, and a lot of kids, uh, a lot of kids, a lot of people will, th- they love the fantasy of being a fighter yeah. and they want to be the Instagram with the gloves well, on and Instagram the cage and fuck and all days, that. But, yeah. but you know what? Careful what you wish for that's because right. someone's going to just punch a crap out yeah. of you. And, you know, I, I, I say this to guys now because that I train and as, as, as we both do, if you're not going to get in there and you're not prepared to just punch a fuck out of whoever's in front of you, 100%. you better not get in yeah, there. Because yeah. if you square up against someone with my attitude, yeah, it's I, I won most of my fights because the guys that I was fighting just got tired of hitting me. I just right. I'd see them break. They'd throw everything at me and then they'd go, "Fuck this guy's still there." And I'm like, "Now it's my turn, <laughs> yeah, man. It's my turn. Now I'm it's gonna, my turn. I'm just going to keep coming." Yeah, but that's and that's probably the mentality I had in fighting as well. Yeah. Like as much as I was. At, I was in even you can sort of talk to me, my father and my brother. Before fights, man, no one could talk to me. I was in a, a, a really? anxiety zoned out. So you used to get anxious. Oh, like, yeah. bro, I, I like think bad. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't talk. Like even though I wanted to talk, I literally could you not talk. That's that's, that's but until yeah, that's big, bro. That's big. I could not talk, yeah. I, and I had just nonstop tingly feelings all over the body, yeah. and my mind was just going crazy because I knew I didn't like fighting. I knew I hated it. But you, you did it anyway. I do it. I do yeah. it. I just got in there because I knew once I got through the ropes. Yeah. Then, then it's I forget everything because Times, yep. it's survival now. That, that's sort of, that's my mentality when I was fighting. Yeah. I was that's why I was never. I would say I was never a a great fighter. I didn't lose too many fights, but like to go that you know like the the Wayne Pars and Nathan Corbett's yeah, who yeah. dedicated their lives to be yep. the greatest champions of all champions. Yeah. I I never had that. I didn't want it. Yeah. I, I was happy, one, to show me masculinity, two, to get hurt and hit and survive. Face that challenge. And yeah. and get in there and do me three minutes, be known as a fighter. Yep, yeah, wow, I love this, you know. Yeah. that Getting hurt was my little buzz. I, I got hurt and I got leg kicked. That, that was my well, trauma yeah. getting over it yeah. and I can move forward. Yeah. And some of the accolades that I won, state titles or uh, Kyokushin, kickboxing, whatever, yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, I'm the champ. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah. But before the fight, oh, fuck, I was zoned out, bro. Like, yeah. even the old man used to come up and say, oh, yeah, how you feeling? I, don't fucking talk to me, Don't dude. talk. I don't yeah. want to talk. Even Rob, you know, because he fought a little bit after me. Like, he started fighting when I was sort of getting into it. Yeah. And he'd come, hey, bro. You know, he'd, he was in my corner all the time. And, yeah. you know, they'd say, he'd encourage, come on, bro, you fucking got this. But I really, my headspace, I didn't even fucking care. I didn't even want to be there. Yeah. I was just like. That's big, bro. As soon yeah, as I big. walk out. Yeah. And I don't really see anything else. But as soon as I get into the ring, whoever they've put me against, that's when I've just got to fight. I've just got to turn on and fight. You just put yourself under such extreme pressure that you, you know, going on what you said, you probably didn't even want to do it, but you just did well, it because well, it was part of the process. Mate. I didn't yeah. because that was the process I was feeling yeah. from all what I'd, I'd endured as a young kid yeah. to go, you know, you can because I'm very good over the years of switching my mindset. Yep. And I mean with everything. It yep. doesn't matter whether it's a relationship, whether it's, you switching know, friends. It in, switching it as in on, off or, on off, or all on in, off. all out, you know, that type of mentality. On off. Yeah. So if I, if I had a friend or even if I had a girlfriend or, yeah. uh, you know, started to see someone and they started to not give me anything back, yeah, I'm easy, even if they're emotionally invested, I can easily just go, boom, I'm done. 
Something, See you later. Something straight you down now, that's it, you're boom. out. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's someone as a friend goes, yeah, you're yeah, Rich, I, and then I can just go, boom, I don't even talk well, to that dude well, anymore. I'll ask you this. Do you reckon that's something you should work on though? Like, 100%. You, you know, it's just something that you go, you know, I do get, I do go off things. And I, again, man, we're just talking, and, we, and this 100%. is not pre-scripted by, by any of no, any no, stretch no. guys listening. So, but I can absolutely relate to that where I'm like, I'm the same one. Go but push then, me to a point till I turn the switch off and then fucking whatever you but, do but ain't going to matter me, anymore. That's me downfall too. But I think also I think it's something that you sort of got to have a bit of give and take, um, you know. And, and uh, at 49, yeah, yeah. I'm starting to learn that now. I've got someone who I'm chatting to and yeah. and uh, they're amazing, amazing person and it's starting to help me get through yeah. some of the things I thought I was just happy to just turn off and on all the time. Yeah. But in saying that, when I did separate from my uh, from the ex, yeah. So that we'll just again, you, you, we know, but uh, you know, you've been married. You but got a couple of kids, seventeen so and nineteen 20, years old, yeah, sort of so, like married and, and been in a relationship yeah. for, and had two beautiful kids, uh, Jet and Dakota. And once once that sort of separation happened, yeah, uh, that that was a that was a big thing where, and I can say when it happened, I knew I knew I had a feeling it was happening. Yeah. So. It was easy enough to go boom down because they were obviously the family moved to Tamworth and and I was moving to Newcastle with Rob. But that well, you lived on the sunny coast when Sun, you went Sunshine through Coast that, yeah, for through, seventeen through years. That separation through the separation. So your kids, your kids grew up on the Sunshine Coast. Yep, it was like that. Your, your home, you know, it was Everything. it was very comfortable. You had your very successful uh, pool building business businesses. So you know, uh, this is something that a lot of the listeners might won't know. You've been successful in your own right. Not only in the martial arts and and in the coaching area, but also in the real world. In the you know, as in as in having yeah. a very successful uh, you know business that was turned over you know millions of dollars in in the pool building game on the Sunshine Coast, you know, and and things were going all right. But then then the, the split happened with your missus, and again, you know, it goes back to your childhood where your life pretty much gets gets put on its head. You got to move, you got to relocate, you got to find a new life, yep. and then you're doing it. You know, not only without your your ex wife, but then you're going to miss your kids and that too. Yeah. So you got to have that, but that whole that was, separation. That was the thing big too. thing when I left the Sunshine Coast, and I knew my headspace wasn't in it. Yeah, and I just signed the whole business over to the partner that I had. Yeah, and the wife and kids went back to town with to the family. I honestly, for the first time in my life, I jumped on a plane the next day and went to Albuquerque. Yeah. Kyle Noak, who's a close friend of mine, and Cowboy Cerrone. I stayed at Cowboy Cerrone's ranch for about, I think, two or three months. Yeah. It was the first time in my adult life I had no income, no family, no uh, job, no address. No commitments. And to be honest, for that short time, yeah. it was a massive weight off my shoulder in regards to getting to know myself again, what's going on. Yeah. And then obviously my brother moved to Newcastle from Sunshine Coast. Yeah. So as soon as I flew in from Albuquerque, Albuquerque yeah. I was, you know, 2015 I think it was, I moved straight to Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, but the kids who, who were my pride and joy were in Tamworth. So yeah. that's like a three-hour drive. Yeah. But then I, you know, the switch of my mindset, I had the opportunity where I could go work in my brother's gym yep. in Newcastle. I got a car and petrol and I had a good friend, Michael Maisie, yep. who, who I respect and I'll always respect for what he'd done for me and my family. He was in town with living. I would leave Newcastle on a Friday afternoon. This happened for 12 months every single weekend. Yep. So I got to a point where I wanted to put my life on hold mm. 
because I wanted to show my children how dedicated I want to be to them. I don't want them to know that I'm going to be there for them and I don't want another man raising my kids. Yeah. So every Friday I would drive out of Newcastle and I would be, Michael was working in the mines. He'd give me his key to his house yeah. and I'd stay at his house for two nights, Friday, Saturday nights and drive back Sundays to Newcastle. So every weekend the kids knew Friday, Saturdays. Regular clockwork, yeah. Dad's there. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to instill in them Yeah, because of probably what, you know, me going through certain things, yeah. I needed them, them to know is- yeah, you're, you're, There's a regularity. Well, there's a, there's a comfort in knowing that that's, that's not changing. I mean, I've, I've been through the same thing with, with marriage separation, uh, although my, my daughter was four when I separated from yeah. my ex. And I, I remember- speaking to a, a guy and he was at the gym, one of the guys at the, yep. the gym I used to train at the, the martial arts gym and he had two daughters who were really close to, but again, separated. So this is probably something out there for all the dads that are going through what, what we've been through with the yep. separation. And I go, man, I go, how do you keep, you know, how are you tight with your, because that was my fear in splitting up. I didn't care about splitting up. I didn't want to be with a woman anymore. No, no, Get out of my right. life, that's you know, right. next. Yep. But the one thing that hurt, and, and I know it's in your heart too, is the separation that you're forced, that's forced upon you that you don't see your kids. That's right. And the one thing that that, that this guy said to me, that I'll t- take it to the bank, you know, and, and you've just yep. said there's something similar. He goes, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what you're doing, like he was a travelling salesman, yep. Yep. he goes, the same time every day, I pick up my phone and I speak to my kids. Yeah. And you go through the bullshit where the you know the the mum saying, "Hey, I fucking know I'm not going to put them on the phone, or they're too young to talk to on the That's phone." Right, yeah, yeah. But if they're too young to talk to on the phone, yeah. well, then they probably won't remember that you you were When they start to to, to correlate that, that contact, that yep. regular contact, yep. and I've done the same thing. Or I did the same thing. Um, got on the phone. Be, I'd be in Thailand training. I'd be yeah. overseas, you know, with fighters or whatever it might be on business or whatever when I was in corporate. Like, what's the time back in Melbourne? It's this time. She'll be getting home from school. And sometimes you make this all this effort to ring them or you'd probably make all the effort to travel then. You go, hey, how you doing? Whatever. Yeah, not much. And I'm like, right. Yeah. You're just like, well, well this, that- you know, but the thing is it's just that, and as I said, for the dads that are going through it, just keep the contact, no That's matter right. how small, yep. but it's got to be consi- keep it consistent. Yeah. And sometimes it won't be substantial, no. but it'll be just enough to know yeah. the kids will just take, I, take, take feel, that away. And I feel for the dads out there that haven't had, haven't got that opportunity and not by their own wrongdoing either. Like some obviously are, are shit dads, but there's some great dads out there yeah. that haven't had the opportunity to actually be in their kids' lives. And they're the, they're the dads I really feel for because yeah. I knew when I was in that, that circumstance, yeah. there was no way in hell that I was going to let my children down yeah. by not traveling to there. And Whatever and mind you, every yeah. time I'd, I'd be driving home on a Sunday afternoon and dropping the kids back to the, the ex's place and driving uh, back to Newcastle, fuck, I would be in tears. Yeah, just just, just <laughs> knowing relate. just yeah. knowing how yeah. much of a good time yeah. that we had on Friday, Saturday night, yeah. but just leaving my children, yeah. that, really, that yeah. really got to me. But that only went on for 12 months. And then obviously, uh, you know, certain things change and, and the uh, – the ex-wife went back to Sunshine Coast and I I got the opportunity through my children, they wanted to come and test what living with dad's like. Yeah, that's great. So yeah. that was that was 
God's way of rewarding me for all the hard work that I was trying to yeah. instill in you my kids. In, you put in. If you didn't, you know what? If you didn't make that effort for that twelve months, that's right. There's no way your kids are going to try and live with dad because you didn't put in. No, and that's it's right. like everything in life. You know, fucking people want shit now without doing anything. Yeah. What you put in is what you get out. Yeah. You know, my my staff in my business go I want more hours. Like yeah. I will do more. You yeah, want yeah. more? Do more. You don't. You but don't the, do more. Kids, you're not going to get more. Kids, kids in that way. Yeah. I knew if I if I put in the time and effort yep. and just showed them Absolutely. I want to be there. That's fantastic. And I think once that sort of whole discussion with all parties and the kids sort of put their head down, which, you know, I felt bad that I, we put them in that position, but they both looked down and they both said, you know, I want to go and live with dad. You know, that to me was and – th- and those 10 years that I've raised uh, my, my son and daughter, Jet and Dakota yep. – because I have, you know, I've done the gym work, I've travelled, I've done all this fun stuff when I was in Newcastle, but that that moments that I had, the three of us living together, me raising my children, really I'm content with life. And as as people say, I don't care, I could fucking die tomorrow. I I could pro- if I died tomorrow, then so be it. I'd be I'd be happy that I've contributed to my children's life and they become beautiful adults. Yep. The only thing I would be sad about with death, really, at this stage in my life, is not seeing my daughter grow like up and get son. married, yeah. my son grow up and get married. That's the only real sadness that I would feel. Yep. Outside of that, as you know, my children are, are my life. They everything yeah. to me, you know. And that's and that's a very true statement. You know, you, you know, both you and Rob. You know, you you've come from hard hard. And challenging beginnings, you know, because your your folks try to do the right thing. But it's also when you know when you what you've been through, then you also know what you'll lay down for your children. Hundred percent. You know, so the, the, if there's been things in your life, as in mine, that perhaps you didn't enjoy as a child, well, what you do is you don't duplicate that in your child's no, life. No, no. You try and do better. That's right. And that, and that's one thing where you know you see you see you know, parents repeating behaviours of their parents and then their kids repeat, well, if you don't like the fucking, the things that have gone on in your life, change it. You've got to change Don't it. fucking repeat and the that, pattern. And that's what I wanted to do you know? with my kids is yeah. just go, you know what, not that my mum and dad split up or anything. Obviously, no. like every parent, they have their blues, but um, I really wanted to make sure like my kids were everything. So I had to make sure that they understood that I will do anything in yeah. my grasp to make sure they are protected. And that's probably getting back to the stuff that happened as a young kid. I never wanted to be in that environment. And that's why it was so hard for me to go, another man won't yeah, raise I you because yeah, absolutely. I'm but not having another you, fucking you man raise what, you because what attitude will come to their And life. I used yeah. to say to the to the to the other party, I said, I'm go- I will take you through court. I will not be losing these children because I will not have the same story if if any happen to them yeah. when they're young. You're a protector, brother, and that's, so, that's, and that's admirable. Yeah, that's and, what it basically got down to. Yeah. And and you know, God worked His way. Thank God that uh, you know He gave me the children to raise myself and. And obviously, all parties knew what sort of father I was. Yeah. In general, so yeah. you're, mate, you, you know, you, you, you're a hard worker, and and these I days say that now, brother. Well, not, not these days. I was just about <laughs> to say not so much now, but no, you mean you you put in the hard yards. You're you're a good family man, and you know, I suppose you know your kids are, are, are your legacy. Yeah. And you've you've you got a great legacy with these two. Yeah. Um, and the love's there, and that's what you know. No amount of money, you can have all the money in the world, but if you if you don't have, I suppose, that happiness and that, that connection, and that's, it, it's not going to matter. And no. that's, I suppose, that's something that if I 
look back and on my time as well, I'm like, yeah, I really focused on work. Maybe I should have done more. Yep. In a, you know, we always look back there's, and you go, all, can you do more? Should yeah, you do there, more? There's always that look but on. But all you can do is your best in any given situation. Exactly right, know? exactly right. And that's all I've tried to do throughout anything, whether I've had me uh, fight career or went into coaching, yep. Rob and me doing promotions or more, more Rob. Rob's the guru at promotions. I'll just be there for if I'm needed. Moral support. Moral support, <laughs> clapping him. Uh, but the Hand out. I'll you're, receive the I money. Mean, no. You're talking yourself down a bit because, you know, one thing, again, that, uh, you know, you've done a lot of, and you you, you alluded to this with, with training with uh, Kyle Noak, what a, what a champion yeah, human being he is. Very close. And yeah. a trailblazer in the UFC for Australia too. So yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah. And then Cowboy Cerrone, just a tough yeah, yeah, tough guy, you know, Crazy. and and a great money maker for the oh, UFC. Mate. But you've been a, you've been around these guys, and then we talk about Mark Hunt and yeah. and uh, you know Taitu Vasa and you know the guys that you've been around. Now it's okay to be around these people, yeah. and and you know they'll go, yeah, he's one of the one of the guys. But you've earned your stripes in results that you've got as as a, a, a you know working as part of their coaching team. So, uh, tell, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. So your most memorable moments in the teams that you've worked for, who who would you say? Well, definitely Mark Hunt because definitely Mark Hunt's like, he's always been an icon figure to me because yeah. he's done so much from from nothing. Um, Ty Tilvasa, he, he's just a, a larrikin. He's the one who sort of give me the name Filthy. <laughs> so um, that's all. That's pretty much stuck with me forever now. But Mark Hunt and Ty Tilvasa – being like an Australian fighters. Should I ask how you got the name Filthy? Should we explain that? I don't Do you know. want to explain Mate, I honestly, you will be listening honestly, to this. Honestly, this, is, this is tied to Avasa. <laughs> He's the one who we we sort of knew each other for a lot of years, but it, it was in New Zealand and he was coming up the stairs and I was doing striking with Ross Pearson at that time and we are fighting Dan Hooker at that time and tied to Avasa come up the stairs because he was with Mark Hunt's camp and all he could hear was going, uh, Filthy. <laughs> and I looked and he was like, what are you doing here, filthy? And I'm not quite sure whether he just called me that because he thinks I'm a filthy bastard or something. <laughs> seen the inside of your car. He's probably, seen, he's probably hung out with me and partied a lot, so we, we were in a filthy together. But uh, but it just, I'm not quite sure. Australian-wise, Mark Hunt, Ty Tuovasa, they're, they're the two guys who really hold a, a soft place in my heart because take away the fighting and the coaching and, and, all, and the martial arts. Yeah. Those those two, and not a lot of people know, but those two generally care for people. They're, they do. Yeah. They, you know, if I ask him, Ty or Mark, to do something, yeah. without hesitations, no worries, filthy, yeah. you're, I'll be there. Don't worry about that. And all the time, we're off the phone, love you, bra, love you, love you. Yeah. They're just that close. Yeah. For an Australian martial arts, those those are my two favourite sort of people. Yeah. Traveling, obviously Kyle Noak. I'm classing Kyle Noak in the American side of things because he was over there in Albuquerque for so long. But he he was my sort of ticket to Jackson Winklejohn. Yeah, he was the one who was living there. He was the one who was uh, training at Jackson's, and and for out of the blue, I just said, uh, message him and said, "Oh, man, I'd love to, you know, love to get in and yeah, come yeah, over yeah. there." And he was like, "Mate, rich, hundred percent, jump in and and come over." I was like, "Wow, that's crazy!" And but little did I know, because I was going, I was heavy in my faith at that time too. And John Jones was just starting off, and he had the Philippians, you know, four thirteen on his chest, and a lot of that resonated with me and my faith. And and I was like, "Oh, I'd love to meet that dude one day." And then I went to Albuquerque yeah. and trained with Kyle. And then next minute, he's like, "Oh, we're going to Church of Bones." 
And to me, that was like a wow factor, you know, like yeah. I was like, wow, I got me opportunity to tell Bones a bit of my story growing up and, and uh, you know, we confide in each other in a lot of little personal things, yeah. uh, me and Bones, which, you know, he's he's done some crazy things, but as a person, I still uh, respect him uh, and like him as a person. And then there was the Cowboy Cerrone's, the uh, Overeem's, the Holly Holmes, the Michelle Watersons. You walk into Jackson's and you got St. Pierre and Rashad Evans and Travis Brown. And, yeah. and you're like, from me, because I was just watching the UFC just starting off. Yeah. And I'm like, There's some big holy names there, shit. Big names. And they're like, hey, coach, they, these people who are on the TV at that stage, yeah. and I'd, I'd only just started coaching, that these guys were coming up to me going, hey, hey, coach, your Kyle's friend, mate, glad to have you in Albuquerque. I'd love to do some pads with you. Oh, you know, at that stage, I loved doing pads with everyone. So I was just like, over him, doing pads with over him, doing pads with Cowboy, doing pads with, you know, Michelle Waterson and Kyle and whoever else I can get me here. Diego Sanchez, me and him become very close friends, and I travelled a little bit with him to Nashville and stuff. Any, uh, Diego Sanchez, religious too. But he was very, but yeah. again, it's it's sort of he went he he went through his stages. He was very into his. He brought me into the church in Albuquerque as well. Yeah. Um. He he was uh, there's a few close friends I still have to today. Uh, Derek Wick and all that who have churches in Albuquerque. Yeah. Um. And then he sort of went on his way of the universe stuff and then he went to different faiths and that and he had some trouble with the coach that he had personally with the yeah. UFC and it was just all this whole thing that was like oh, a whole bit. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. It's a lot, but you <laughs> gotta, lot, you got to admire the guy because he was the number one, you know, season one ultimate fighter. Yeah, he, was, he, was, he was one and of those it, and characters he was still, that And he was yeah. still fighting in still the still UFC like yeah. nearly 20 years, 25 yeah. years later. Yeah. And – so it's yeah. pretty surreal, you know, even as you're sitting there just recanting those names, it's pretty surreal when you look back and you go, oh, yeah, you know, I did that. When you think about it, if you if you would have spoken to your, yourself when you started doing, you know, Kilkushin or, or the Thai oh. boxing or kickboxing, you go, I'm going to be training, you know, with the most elite fighters in the world one yeah. day and holding yeah. pads for them. Yeah. It's a bit crazy to, to see the journey. Yeah. And, and I suppose in life when challenges are thrown at you, you often look at, all the negativity, but yeah. you can sometimes, without even realizing, be blessed with some great opportunities. Yeah, I, such think, as I think I, I think it's just wanting to be and thriving to try and be around real people. Yeah, that's when you're around real people and genuine people, you start you get on a good journey, a positive yeah. journey. Yeah. If you're around shit bags and they're not so good of people, yeah. you really live that shit bag life. Yeah. So the positive thing for me with MMA wise was here I am in Jackson is just a nobody from the Sunshine Coast holding yeah. pads and learning my craft even more from the Jackson Winkle John. Yeah. But then also Rob training under Jeff Fennick for 10 years for the boxing side of things. Yeah. And next minute we're having dinner at Muhammad Ali's place yeah. in 2008 <laughs> in, in his house. Yeah. Lennox Lewis walks in and we're all sitting around the table having having lunch before we went to the Kentucky Derby races. <laughs> and you, just, yeah. you pinch yourself That's and just, go, yeah. Muhammad Ali, like fucking, my, I remember my old man used to just rave on about Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And I think to myself, here I am in Muhammad Ali's house with his wife, his sisters and everything, Lennox Lewis. Yeah. I was just like, wow, that was probably the pinnacle part of my combat life yeah. to meet someone 
with his greatness. Yes, yes. But I then, mean, he's, he's iconic as a, as a human being, never mind as a sportsman and an athlete. You know, he, he, he's, just done, he, he really what he impacted to do. on the world. The, 100%. Generally, fight fans, no fight fans, you, you know you know that name. But then, and, then you yeah. have, then you get caught up and you're, with Jeff and Rob, and next minute I'm sitting at Mike's, you yeah. know, having having lunch and at, at Planet Hollywood, having lunch with Mike Tyson. Yeah, I remember but I was in the limo when uh, Mike oh, Tyson. <laughs> I think that's, that's a little bit of an Ro- inside joke. I think folks, that's a uh, Rob and your story. That one. I didn't go on that trip, but but um, yeah, no, and and you know, being in, in in Mike Tyson's house, and and I can relate to the the, the surreal feeling. You go, man, am I fucking here? Am I dreaming, wow. or is this you know, is this real? And, and Ma- then you go, no, it's real. Mike's it's, talking. Mike's him. going, hey, Rich, yeah, what's going yeah. on? Hey, Rob. Yeah. And you're like, wow, yeah. this is crazy. And then those that's the years following that through Jeff Fennick. Yeah. Times yeah. were crazy through LA and Vegas because we hung out with the likes of Warney and Liz Hurley yeah. you know, parties. Yeah, and then yeah. they'd say, oh, Mick Dewan's coming in town. We're going out to his, the cat house or yeah. whatever it was, nightclub. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's so many sort of celebrity pinching that we used to hang out with just on the friendship yeah. level. Yeah. And probably where I got most of my connections through life. Yeah. And and uh doing the story sort of thing was, you know, this is Jeff Jeff opened a lot of doors for Rob and I in regards to that, oh, you know. A, yeah, Jeff's a, a, obviously a mutual friend of ours and, yeah, and yeah. I, I respect the guy and and he's he's done nothing but good stuff, 100%. you know, towards he's me a, and obviously great... to you and Rob even more so cuz yeah, Rob and Jeff are real real yeah, tight really, as well, really so tight, yeah. you know, it's the combat sports and it's a big world but you know, I th- I think you know, you got some real people there that, and well, and you know, Mark Hunt. We go back to to Mark. You know, uh, he did a seminar at my my gym when I opened the first Hammers gym, yep. and I remember inviting him down and uh, when he was on the Hammer Time Fight Show, oh, and he yeah, goes yeah. to do a seminar, and I remember you know paying trying to pay him for it after, and he goes, "No, nah, man." He goes, "I don't want your money." He goes, "What you've done for for the fight sports and for me?" He goes, "You keep it." 100%. You know, and I was like, "No one has ever done that." No, like, they, you no. know, and it was it was you know. In, in all good faith, he did something. He did a seminar, and I appreciated yeah, it. Yeah. And he, he needs to be rewarded for for yeah. you know his time. But that's a that's a and type he just of didn't, dude that didn't bat an eyelid. Nah. Wouldn't have none of it. And I'm like, there's not mu- there's not many times in your life where you meet someone and you do a bit. That was a business transaction initially to do the yeah, seminar. And they're like, yeah. this is the deal. There's about no problem, no problem. Yeah. And then at the end, they go, no, nah, I remember you did that. That many years ago, that's right. I haven't forgotten, and this is my appreciation. Yeah. And that's that's such a rarity in this world now because yeah. everyone's there's a lot of takers and not too no, many yeah. givers. You and know, Ma- Mark's been through all that with his career. There's been yeah. a lot of takers, yeah. and and you know he's he's done things which he knows personally for me. Yeah. Um. And I'm hope hoping I've done uh, through our time in COVID when we hung out for like ten months in Newcastle yeah. that I actually personally impacted him in somehow because I class him more not even as a friend more of a real brother. Yeah. Um. You know we're the same age we always have the same jokes of the age <laughs> I've been I've been retired because I hated fighting he's still going at nearly fifty and and yeah. you got to admire the guy. And what his story is, yeah. I just you know I take my hat off to him, and he's he's always got my time whenever he wants it because I love the dude, man. Yeah, he's a gen- genuine person that that you know has no airs and graces about him, no. and he's been the same. I remember he's he's you know obviously fighting for Lolo and that in New Zealand, yeah. And the early days of K one and fighting on the Tarek Solik, yeah. Blake's the same, same bloke, Hasn't changed, same guy gets in. 
doesn't you know, no. doesn't overrate himself, doesn't underrate himself. No. He just knows when he you know yeah. you just know when he's going to fight. It's yeah. going to be entertaining, and and uh, you know we all greatly appreciate oh, and yeah, respect 100%, 100%. that. Hundred percent. But um, you know, so going back and and having such a great connection with with you know an icon of of the the fight game in in Australia and yeah. and indeed the world. Again, it's a big thing. And, and if I got to say, so best best coaching moments. Worst coaching moments. What would you if, you, um, if I had to say? What is your best coaching moment? Be, be, best coaching moment, I would say, is being asked by Mark Hunt to coach him uh, and be a part of the coaching team for uh, his boxing fight and some of the MMA That's against Gallon. Yeah, yeah, Paul Gallon. Yeah. And then some of the MMA uh, trips that I went on, just to be welcome into the camp. Yeah, uh, MMA over at Tiger Muay Thai and all that sort of stuff as well. That was probably you know, and obviously being at Jackson Wiggle Johns, having those moments of being really close friends with Diego Sanchez, who everyone loves. Um, but you know, the Mark Hunt asking me personally to, you know, you, I want you to be coaching me for this, and obviously I wanted Robin on it as well because Rob's eye for detail is very, very good. Yeah, that was the best, probably the, the worst, uh, and you know, no, no fault of any, but probably when, when with Ross Pearson and, and uh, it, we're all going first round, we're going beautiful, you know, with Dan Hooker yep, over yep. in New Zealand. I thought, <laughs> man, this, you know, Ross is doing everything right. We're doing great. We're doing great. And it was just that moment, moment where Dan sort of landed that knee and then knocked, knocked him out uh, in regards to uh, going in head down sort of thing. But uh, dealing with Ross Pearson in in fight camps, man, he's nothing professional as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to be honest, it's I wouldn't say that's the bad part. That's just like a downside well, of coaching. A, lo- a loss is a loss. A loss, is a loss. As long as you've done the, as long as you've done the, you know, all you can do. Yeah. As all anyone's got a puncher's chance but, but in I, any fight. I, I, to be honest, in in the martial arts journey that I've had as as a coach, I really haven't. I can't say I haven't had a bad bad moment. You know, there's frustrating moments and all that, but there's no times I've ever said, I'm giving this up. That's yeah. it. I've never had those moments because I've enjoyed the journey yeah. and going back to the good parts of coaching, not only just professional coaches like with Mark Hunt, but a lot of the youth stuff that I'm doing, that I've done, yeah. having young, you know, disengaged teenagers come in and you might get one out of the 10 that we've, Rob and I have coached through our time and let them train for free yeah. and be around positive people. Even to this day, we might travel back to Tamworth and we got a young kid who comes through the system, through the school system yeah. that we coached, and he comes to meet us and he's got a little child now and, yeah. you know, oh, this is Uncle Rich and Rob and <laughs> like those sort of things you've to people, it's not really yeah. it's not really that much to people, but yeah. the youth and changing youth's life in teenagers' life, that's, that's what I've been really passionate about for so many years. So that's – is that your new – you know, you've done you've done the elite athletes. You've done y- your own, you know, your own personal journey uh, through the martial arts and through all the challenges that come with that. You've had businesses, uh, both the corporate and uh, you know, uh, uh, in the gym in the yeah. gym world. You you know, you guys run a tight ship in whatever you do. So, is your calling now, if, if, as we head to your fiftieth birthday, which is a big milestone, um, as you head to your fiftieth now, w- what would you say the next Ten years of your life, if you if you could pick where you wanted to be and what you want to be doing, yeah, what would that look like? Well, as as we've spoken about, I don't really know. I don't really know. Like, I mean, I love the fight game. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, 
but the as I said, it's a it's a beautiful sport with not sometimes not so much good people in it. But I love the art of it. I love the the MMA striking. I love the boxing striking. I love seeing the changes in young people and fighters that we get. Um, I'm probably at an age now where I don't take on too many unless they give me a hundred percent. Yeah. But Melbourne is my home now. And we've got a great Jim Brooklyn Fitness Centre and Brooklyn Boxing Club, and uh, and we do you know some great stuff over on the west side. But you know the golfing, I've taken up golfing again <laughs> after all these years, and I'm hitting off five handicaps. So I'm enjoying that's the good, challenges yeah, of good. of what the brain has for the golf. Yeah. So that's been a really big yeah. I'm loving that again. I'm loving the the obviously the podcast because one I've got a lot of contacts and two I'm just really uh, fascinated by people's stories. Sharing the stories. I love sharing stories and I think it's a good thing not only for my guest and I to talk about yeah. but for young people and older people to hear yeah. different stories because they might think oh I know that dude and then they hear things and go oh wow I didn't know that. Yep. So that's been a really like a hobby come a passion. Yep. Um, and really just. That sort of being there for me kids and I'm, I'm not sort of looking to, to pretty much go too much into working me, working me crack hole off for too, too much longer. You know, I like just chilling out and having my time. And It's not about the material things anymore. It's, definitely it's, not. So and you've, as got, I, you've done that. As yeah. I said, your time on the Sunshine Coast, you were flying. Traveling and, and I, you know, we, we missed a, a very important part in that little Sunshine Coast bit for the Thai boxing community. You guys did some big things, you know. You had yep. the likes of Sanchai and you did some great shows, you know, yep. back in the day, the Tony Hill and Kurt Finlayson. Yep. You know, the, the you know, the, the you know, some of the some of the absolute warriors of, of yep. Thai boxing. Yep. You know, people talk about some of the guys going around now, but for mine, you know, going back to those those years, Early that days. was when the Thai boxing Thai was boxing, tough yeah. in Australia. Especially Queensland yeah, was like yeah. charging on and you had the yeah. the Tony Hills, you had the Cockburns, you had, yeah. um, you know, the Sorens, yeah. Nuggets, yeah. like th- those type of people and Kurt Finlayson and Rob sort of mentioned the idea of let's bring Sanchai and no other promoter had brought Sanchai to Australia before. Yeah. So we were the first promotion to bring Sanchai to Australian shores. Well, I remember going to that nightclub with Sanchai and you guys after and me and him having a beer and he is the funniest little oh, fella you bro. ever meet Sanchai such a such a cool dude and so respectful too and, what, and what he a, was just loving being in Australia and you, he, he was so legend. thankful that you guys brought him out yeah and all you know, we look at him now, and he's a legend of Muay Thai, and he's legitimately still, still going and still, still going winning every fight and still just pumping it and I'm like. Wow, were you guys ahead of your time with that or what? You know, and at the Sunshine Coast High Boxing Centre, yeah, up Joe there, Hilton, Joe, Joe the, Hilton, a big oh, shout out to Joe, a, a man who's done so much for Muay Thai in Australia, and there's, you know, probably doesn't get the recognition that he deserves no, he, these he days. Was a, he was a love big influence, um, big influence on yeah. the Thai boxing on Sunshine Coast for me yeah. and Rob. The and that's probably if I'm going to say anything, who taught me how to how to do actual pad holding properly. Yep. Would be Joe Hilton. Not only just holding him properly and and doing the the freestyle pad holding, but the dedication. Yeah. That dude was in the gym at four o'clock in the mornings every single morning, Monday to Friday. Do his busy work through the day, and he'd be, be back doing pads in the afternoon. Yeah. And this went on. 15, years, 20, yeah. 30 years. Brady Stolder and all those guys that trained with him too, still going. And some, and, some of the yeah, champions yeah. He, he produced, and but just. He's mentoring of me personally yeah. through the pool business because he got oh, me into the pools. Right. Yeah, correct. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, but just 
watching him hold pads, I yeah. really took a lot away from that, and yeah. he probably doesn't know it that much because I've never really talked to him about. But it, it, Joe Hilton was the one who really instilled that that seed yeah. for me to want to learn how to hold pads properly as a pad holder. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah he's he was amazing, amazing human when he. When you see what he done with promotions, but holding yeah. pads, fucking well, I'm glad, insane. I'm glad we circled around back to that, Richie, because mate, you know, you know, and I've known you for a long time, as we we alluded to at the start, and I've learned some stuff about you, and and certainly it'll make our friendship stronger, knowing that we we share even more than what I thought we yeah. we did. Um, you know, you're you're a credit to yourself and your family, brother, and um, it, you know the, the Rich Life podcasts are, and are just fantastic, and yeah. and I know. From inception, when you spoke to me about the concept yeah. of doing this, you know you you're passionate and you're yeah. you're you know you're doing great things. Um, and I suppose in 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 closing, um, if you've got any advice out there for anyone in the martial arts or indeed in life, any dads that have been challenged yep. with situations, you know yep. that, that they've you know you've gone through, what what would that be? Well, as I always say to the guests, uh, you know, what is your rich life these days? My rich life these days is knowing my daughter and son are happy and and content, and obviously doing their their thing that they're happy with. Um, my advice to to anyone is to be happy yourself, be happy with yourself, and love yourself first, because a lot of people try and go out, and I was a victim of that. They try and go out and find happiness and love in everyone else, but I've had a big saying when I done a lot of mentoring with young kids and adults is our, our happiness is like a chain. It's a full chain. So when it's going around and around, that's your happiness. You've got to try and find what your happiness is. Love yourself, be happy with yourself. And then if anyone else comes into your chain, they're just another link of happiness. So they're adding to your happiness. Yeah. They aren't your happiness. So a lot of people then go, oh, I'm lonely, I need this, I need that. But what you've got to think is, I'm happy now. I'm happy with myself. If you come into my life, you're going to add to my happiness because if you leave, I've still got my happiness. Yeah, that's that's probably my yeah. biggest thing that a great analogy. An so. old rich yeah. would say to a young rich yeah. is find your happiness, what makes you happy, and love yourself yeah. instead of looking for it in all the wrong places. Yeah, and which short term, the short term gratification things that. They'll, they'll give you happiness. It's you know the, the, we talk about the drugs and the alcohol and the whatever which, else which we've all been <laughs> through and we've all done. <laughs> It'll and give you that momentary buzz, but you you you're sometimes left a little bit empty afterwards. So hundred percent, you know. And I think the, the martial arts is something that is if it's a constant in your life or any sort of good positive uh, physical activity. Because mate, you're in great nick too. You train hard. I, I, you know, just check out his Instagram. You're seeing <laughs> doing chin ups <laughs> and shit. Hey, and you, but that, you know, but that so, gets back but you to live just, uh, just being a mental thing too. Yeah. Like I've got to train an hour a day myself yeah. for my mental health. Yeah. I've got to have ice baths for for my mental health. Yep. There's a lot of things I've got to, as I say each day of the torture chamber, where I find my own happiness and my own content. To get you out of that. To get me out yeah. of that whole yeah. torture chamber. So yeah. the martial arts was my lifesaver. Yep. I will say that. Martial arts saved my life. The ongoing training now I've finished, I see a lot of martial arts finish their career and, and they go, uh, get fat, take drugs, yeah. get on the alcohol, whatever, and they lose sight of who they well, are. Not, and- I think because I, 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 I want to pull you up on that. To me, that's not martial artists, that's fighters. When we talk about fighters, and this is essentially for me the difference, if you're a fighter, it's for a period of time. That's right. If you're a martial artist, it's for a lifetime. lifetime. And that's 
you know, I, I will be trained until the day I, I die or my body can still do it. Yep. But I see, and I've, you know, there's been a lot of guys, they fight, they get that, that, that gratification, they're the man, you're That's the right. man, you're the man. But then they don't pass on the knowledge. That's right. They don't live the ethos of, of a martial artist. So that's a difference in, and especially now when we talk about MMA. That's right. Guys, will, it's mixed martial arts. But I, 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 I'll argue that point. It's not mixed martial arts. It's mixed fighting. That's right. Because they're learning to fight. They're not learning a lot of them to be martial artists. That's right. That's because right. to be a martial artist, you have to go through a hierarchical system. That's you right. You have to do the gradings. Yep. You have to do the time. Yep. You have to be disciplined. You have to pay respect exactly. to your trainers and to the high ranks. Yep. There's not a lot of that nah, in, in the fight game. And 100%. when you talk about, you know, MMA, well, they're in, they're out. That's they get, right. the, you know, there's Instagram That's fighters are plenty exactly these days. Right, yeah. And then you've got your celebrity fighters and it's like, man, it's a whole shit show at the moment. Yeah, it is, but it is. you're a martial artist, my friend. Let me let me say yep. that to you. Yep. You live a martial artist code and lifestyle and you do it, you're doing it yep. to, to 50 plus. No, and that's, that, that's where fighters come and go. Yep. The martial artists last forever. 100%. Unbelievable. So I think, man, I think we've we've done the full yeah, circle baby. with the rich life. It's been, it's been a blast and been, I've loved it. Mate, been good, been good. I appreciate your time, brother. I no, appreciate it, I appreciate you, you having this conversation and bringing me yeah, in to, no. to be a part of this. Yeah. It's a special thing for me to, yep. and I'm honoured that, that uh, yep. you've you've got me to, to sit with you. And, mate, I, I, maybe we'll do it again. Maybe, and, uh, we'll talk Chapter some, 2. Chapter 2. With when the, we're 99 going on 100. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, thank you, brother. I appreciate, appreciate you. Appreciate it, brother.